1: What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from allsyracuse.com with episode 61 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast, presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. I am with the guys, Josh and Sammy, once again. It is a trio for the second straight episode because Syracuse soccer just won't go away, which means more Sammy, which is Let's face it. It's good for everybody. It's good for us. It's good for all of you that are listening, and it's just good for the aura of the world in general. So,
0: when oh, we will get say to, that one again, more for Sammy the aura more of the vibrations.
1: world in general. That's right. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, no pressure to to live up to those expectations. At all, but, um, <laughs> high bar, <laughs> high bar. That's right. Uh, we're we're going to get to that Syracuse football in a moment, but we want to first start with the other Syracuse football on the gridiron as opposed to the pitch, and that is because Syracuse now knows its postseason destination. It is back in the Pinstripe Bowl for the third time. It is playing Minnesota, who it, while it has not played Minnesota in the Pinstripe Bowl, it did play Minnesota. In the Texas Bowl several years ago, and I and Syracuse won that game. That was Scott Schaefer's first year as head coach at Syracuse. And I believe that was the last time Minnesota lost a bowl game. I think they're undefeated since then. Little tidbit there. Um, and Syracuse is one of only a handful of schools that didn't lose a bowl game all of uh, last decade from 2010 to 2020. Helps when you don't go to very many, but, um, you know. A lot of people thought Syracuse was dumb for not going to bowl games. They were just preserving that undefeated record. I mean, that's next level thinking, but um, that said, let's get your reactions on both the destination and the opponent. Josh, we'll start with you. Pinstripe bowl, Minnesota, your thoughts.
0: Um, meh, meh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Basketball is back and bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts.
0: Uh, Bankers can't they, be no, choosers, Josh. No, this is a fact. This is a fact. Emily Liker definitely pointed this out. We were discussing the possibility of a, the Emily Liker Bowl with Mizzou and Syracuse. That would be interesting. would love to see. Always love to see. Um, in the exterior competition against SEC competition, you know, I'm a Southerner, the best football player in the South. So that would have been a good measuring stick for SU, especially, you know, got a homie, Christian Williams, D tackle for the Missouri Tigers in the game as well. There was a projection saying Memphis Memphis, Syracuse would have played, obviously, a lot of the homies in that game as well. But, you know, even just location wise, Birmingham, Alabama could have got to the crib. Miami, Florida could have got to see some sun. Pinstripe ball, New York Yankees. Only watch baseball no more. So, I mean, and I know you got the Monument guys in
1: Park the You got Monument Park there, and and they got that New York, New York song they can sing. So that's that's a thing.
0: That's I do like Nas too. That's cool. But like, you ask me my overall reaction, Amen, and it's mad. You know what I'm saying? Not a lot of excitement for either side. Two cold universities going to a cold play to play a game, and you know, again, uh, we already, you know, the, SU has some good wins on the season. Their first six wins, we've a team in the conference championship game. So. To play a um, middle tier Big Ten team, you know how I feel about Big Ten football. It makes me sleepy, Mike. So, meh.
1: yeah, I'm, I'll uh, I'll let Sammy give his reaction in a minute. I'm, I'll respond to yours with with a couple of things. One, I understand the meh, and there's a lot of the Syracuse fan base that is right on board with you. And it's it's not even the fact that it's in the Northeast. It's because they they've done the Pinstripe Bowl twice before i think i think if it was a different northeast school if it was the fenway bowl and i understand that they opted out of that they said don't consider us for that because it interferes with finals and i get that but just outside of that aspect of it the fenway bowl would have been different so i think even though there's obviously going to be disappointment whenever you're not going to a warmer weather environment that would have at least had a little bit more excitement than the pinstripe bowl simply because it was a different bowl game um now the fenway bowl is Louisville versus Cincinnati, which is a whole slew of storylines because you've got Louisville's former now former head coach Scott Satterfield is leaving to go coach Cincinnati. That's oh, gonna be Can a, you
0: do a, that? Can you do that? Whose I, side is he even on for the game? Like what?
1: It's it's gonna be crazy. He should call plays for both teams and just make it interesting. Let's let's see what happens. He's gonna get
0: beat up. I'm yeah. mad at Deion, but He, he should, he should
1: Deion. not go anywhere near that stadium if he's smart. Uh, but that aside, so I, I certainly get the meh feeling. But at the end of the day, like I said, beggars can't be choosers. You're in a bowl game. Um, it's almost fitting that you have a northeast school and a Midwest school going to play in a cold environment where both teams are really good at running the ball, have strong defenses, and it's going to be kind of old school, cold. It power football type of, of situation. It's it's kind of fits from from that perspective. But I certainly understand um the disappointment not being able to go to somewhere that's that's a little bit warmer. A couple of quick that's tidbits. Okay. So you said
0: all that all that all that wonderful adjective that you said and the one that you missed was fun and exciting. Or the both that you missed. I mean, again, all the things that you said, but as a SU season deprived of that especially in the latter half of the season, even when we're winning, you know, OG's a little cool and all, but you know, Sean talking inside zone for a touchdown, like that's okay. But so it would have been interesting to see like even you said the stylistically, Minnesota is very similar to Issue. Like it would have been a, it would have been fun to see, you know, SU gets an air raid, you know, with the secondary that we have. So but it is just like a I, I thought we saw this like a couple times this year. See, but, I think
1: if I think if it was Syracuse, Minnesota in the Military Bowl, even in Maryland or in one of these bowls down south, I, I don't think the opponent is really what's causing the meh feeling. Because at the end of the day, you're playing a Big Ten team, so you're playing a Power Five team. It's better than you know playing a, a Florida AM and M or something, right? I mean, no, no offense to them, but if you're Syracuse, you want to play a Power Five team. You do. That's it's better to play a power five team in a bowl game for notoriety and cachet, So I don't think it's the opponent that's driving the sort of myth feeling among the fan base. I really think it's the bowl game. Um, the climate is certainly part of that, but I, I really think the bowl game itself is what's driving most of that. couple of tidbits on Minnesota. They are in fact eight and four. And what's interesting is I saw on a Minnesota message board, a lot of complaining from them that they got quote unquote screwed by me, by being put into a lower tier bowl game. And how dare they get an opponent as terrible as Syracuse, They like very arrogant acting like they are well above this bowl game. Let me just spit out a couple of facts for you. They are eight and four, seven of their eight wins are against teams with losing records. Their one team with a non-losing record was Wisconsin six and six in the season finale when they had fired their head coach. Okay, so only a touchdown too, Right. They won by a touchdown. Um, The ranked teams or teams with winning records that they played, uh, the three ranked opponents that they played. I'm sorry, two ranked opponents that they played were um, Illinois and Penn State. They lost to Illinois by 12 and Penn State by 28. So they got blown out in both of those games, double digits. Um, They lost to the Purdue team that Syracuse beat at home. They lost to Purdue at home by 10 points. Uh, The only other team that finished with an above 500 record that they played was Iowa. They played Iowa at home in Minnesota and lost 13 to 10. They only scored 10 points in a game where their running back ran for 263 yards. They scored 10 points. It's tailgating season, and no one does it better than Hoffman's Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kielbasa, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. So... Listen, Minnesota's good. They have a good a good defense. They they played well on that side of the ball all season. Their running back Muhammad Ibrahim is is a stud. He ran for almost 1600 yards and 19 touchdowns this year, averaged over 5 yards a carry. Uh, but their passing attack is blah. 10 touchdowns, nine interceptions on the season. I mean, it's it's not great. So, they're very one-dimensional. Uh they're going to be favored in this game, but I think acting like Minnesota is above this bowl game is not looking at what their actual resume is. Their resume is they beat up on a lot of crap. Um, they, they they beat one bowl team all season. Um, you know, Syracuse beat four bowl teams. Syracuse has a better resume than than Minnesota does. If either team deserves to feel like this this bowl game is beneath them, and neither do, but Syracuse has more of an argument for that than Minnesota does. That said, uh, Sammy will go to you for your reaction on the game and the opponent.
2: All right, I have more of a reaction to their comments, the fans' comments about Syracuse, in being that they play in the weakest, most embarrassing half of a conference that I have ever <laughs> witnessed. Oh, Accurate. You're the Big Ten West winner was Purdue, and they got smacked by 21 in their conference championship. And you're out here acting high and mighty. Would like to be opponent you're picking here. This is you don't get zero a
1: zero ranked teams in that uh, in that division, and nobody finished with more than eight wins. Yeah. Now there was only one team with a losing record, but <laughs> it was um, bad too, wasn't it?
2: North uh, North. No, there, there.
1: I'm sorry, there were two teams with losing record: Nebraska and Northwestern. So, Northwestern was yes. one and eleven. Um, but like I, for me, with the my reaction to the bowl
2: and everybody else's kind of disappointment, I'm a baseball guy, so I think playing a game in Yankee Stadium is cool. But like, I'll probably be maybe in the minority of that one, and that's totally fine. But the bigger disappointment for me and for probably a lot of fans is what this season could have been, and then you're coming back to a bowl you've been a part of. I think halftime at Clemson, everybody's thinking, maybe we're going to be in the Orange Bowl this year. Maybe we're going to be the team that gets to play Tennessee. And now you're here in the Pinstripe Bowl, a bowl that you've been in before relatively recently. And I think it's kind of that letdown that's kind of hitting everybody maybe all at once and seeing Clemson, a team that really should not have beaten you with how that game played out a game that in my opinion Syracuse definitely should have won especially with how that game played out for the first two three quarters they should have won that game and they could have been should everything have obviously they wouldn't have ended up with the same exact record that Clemson did or anything like that Um, I'm not saying that but considering where Clemson is and the fact that you should have beaten them and you could have been in the situation you were halfway through the season and now you're staring at the pinstripe bowl. I think that's kind of what's causing a lot of this disappointment. Maybe you percent. It is. But in the right bowl.
1: Yeah, it is 100%. That's, that's, ever, you know, the, the start and then the five game losing streak, even with the win, that's certainly playing a part of it. But again, I, I think it's, you hit the nail on the head. It's the fact that they're going back to a bowl game that they've been to before. And it feels to some like a consolation prize. If you were at a bowl game, if again, if you were at the Fenway bowl, um, I, I don't think that you have the same as much of this reaction and to your point, watching a game in Yankee, a football game in Yankee stadium is cool. I covered the last one. They were there. It is cool. I'm a Red Sox fan. I, I mean, part of me felt really disgusting being in Yankee stadium, but, um, but in, in all, in all seriousness, it's a beautiful stadium. It was, they did a fantastic job with the venue with turning it into a football game. And it was, it was really fun to watch. Um, and Prince Tyson gully just ran all over West Virginia. It was Doug Marone's last game as a head coach, um, at Syracuse, you know, it was, it was a really cool thing. It, it was, it was fun to watch. And, you know, so from that aspect of it, they're going to do a good job. Again, the Yankees are the the venue itself is going to be turned into a, a good looking, uh, football game and football environment. It's just, you know, the, the excitement of going back to a bowl game where it's in 2018, you were going to the camping world bowl. Syracuse had never been there before, right? You're going down to Florida. Um, th- if they went to the military bowl and they're going to play in Annapolis, Maryland on, on, you know, near Navy. Uh, I, I think there's different level of excitement there too, because that's not a bowl game. Syracuse has played in very much um, and certainly haven't in a number of years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is what it is. But as we said, beggars can't be choosers. You're in a bowl game. Um, go beat Minnesota and shut up their fans for all of us. Thank you. So,
0: it's true. And we talk about Minnesota not being good, not to part on this podcast too much, but the one team they did beat pretty bad was Colorado. I'll just keep it at that.
1: Yeah. Um, that's a whole nother Colorado. We're going to leave that for a separate podcast, man. Exactly. Off, off topic.
2: You might need a full, like, hour long, two hour long marathon to get into that one.
1: Yeah, no question. I know Josh
0: looks ready for it though. I was just saying the little tidbit. Just like. He will
1: be. He he would be ready for that. So let's uh let's switch over to the other football, Syracuse Soccer. Syracuse did beat Vermont two to one, all three goals scored in the first half. Uh, Syracuse wins that game, gets to the College Cup for the second time in program history, and they are now just two wins away from a national title, but in their way is the highest scoring team in the country in Creighton. Sammy, your thoughts on first Syracuse's win and then second, the um, what they have in front of them and the prospects of winning a title.
2: All right. So first of all, I do want to give credit to Vermont's fans. They traveled incredibly well to Syracuse. They you had, could hear them
1: on the broadcast. Yeah. You, you could.
2: Yes, they well had done. Flags. They had and as annoying from a Syracuse perspective, as annoying as they might have come off. You have to give them a lot of respect for how well they traveled, how passionate they were, and and all of that. And they created and helped create a really good environment. I think that is what the elite eight, elite eight soccer is supposed to be about. That traveling for field. college
1: soccer, honestly, is mad respect for for guys no, because thanks. that is a sport that does not get a lot of uh, a lot of travel. And to travel to another uh, team's stadium for something like that, trying to go to their first ever college cup, uh, kudos to you, Vermont. Really awesome job. Yeah. And in the rain,
2: in t- over 20-mile-an-hour wind, they were there. They were ready. They were loud. And so was Syracuse. I, again, you can't give the home crowd enough credit because they helped that team get through the wind. But this one all started with Kurt Kalov putting a corner into the top le- uh, right corner. Of Bonkers. The Absolutely wild. You can credit the wind. You can credit Kalov. Whatever you want. Somehow that went in. And then from there, the game opened up a little bit in the first half. You saw a lot of chances. Syracuse out shooting Vermont uh, six to five in that first half. Um, And you saw the the second, their first goal for Vermont, second goal of the game in the 23rd minute. It was from uh, Pacella. A rocket from outside the box takes a deflection off of Curdy. And she had zero chance to make a play on it. Zero. Syracuse
1: looked stunned. He even took the shot.
2: I was stunned. I literally sat there and I was just like, oh. What are you gonna do? It's 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 yeah, it, it was
1: an incredible play.
2: It's honestly when in basketball, if you get crossed up, someone hits a three in your face, what do you shrug your shoulders, shake your head? Like that was one of those shots. It was from it was what are you gonna do? Um, and then right before the break, uh actually in the first game that they played against Vermont, the only goal Syracuse scored was a Nathan Apoku assist to Levante Johnson to get that magic again at the end of the half. And, uh, and that kind of sealed the game. In the second half, you really saw a tactical change from Vermont. They were trying to cover up the holes that were created in that first half from Syracuse. And as a result of that, you saw neither team really generate any chances in that second half. I mean, Vermont had one total shot. There was no shots at all, I don't think, until like the 83rd minute in that second half. So it was very much just kind of a defensive shift where Syracuse had the lead they could play with it they could protect it whereas vermont they were trying to cover up that gaps didn't want that goal um that one goal deficit to lead to two maybe three and that kind of prevented them from creating any more chances and here's syracuse's but credit to vermont they had a great squad and uh i mean on another day another environment if they have that lead going to the break that game could have been totally
1: different. yeah and and i just want to say um you know, I haven't watched as much college soccer probably in my whole life as I have this season. Uh, and part of that has been because of of how you and uh, and, and Sydney have have covered it um, with with how uh, passionately you guys have covered it, with how thoroughly you guys have covered it. And in order to be able to read what you guys send to me and, and all of that, I have to know what's going on. So then I have to watch the games um, more closely than than I have in the past. And. I'll say SU Soccer Stadium is it it I I have to get to a game next year, I think, because it it seems like a really cool environment. It seems like fans have shown up for most games this season. And uh, I think it's it's a little bit of an underrated aspect of the Syracuse fan base is the fact that they've been willing to show up to events like that last year when the women's hockey team was playing in their their conference championship. Um, you know, they showed up for those games. I, I think Syracuse fans deserve a little bit of credit for for making those uh, home field or home rink in, uh, environments a home field advantage.
2: No, I, I completely agree. And if you think Syracuse beats UVA in penalties without that crowd, you are out of your mind. Like that game is just as even if Sarah, like this fan base is done more than I feel like people under estimate slash misunderstand how much a, a crowd can do in the sport of soccer and football whatever you want to refer to since the u.s loss will go with football um <laughs> but like they make a big difference and there's a reason why coach mcintyre and a lot of the players are applauding the fans before and after the game you saw mcintyre literally standing on that sideline just looking at the crowd before the game with a smile on his face like appreciating the fact that 25 mile an hour winds rain wasn't going to stop the support base and they've really thrived off that this year as great as they've been. The fans have been just as good, if not better.
0: Yeah. And, and so you got, you got, well, you got student athletes coming to the game. You know, the games I report, I saw uh, uh, Andre Smith's out there, Max Mang out there and the um, women's, I think i seen women's basketball. The women's
2: soccer team might be the loudest team I've ever heard my entire life. They, <laughs> when they, when they are rooting and cheering, they are clearly found, you know, exactly where they are in the stands.
0: No, that's a fact. So when it starts within, you know, the program, when your other athletes, supporting athletes, that's where you know the fans can get excited. You know, it's dual dual story. You know, you get to see your favorite SU athlete, and you get to see your favorite SU athlete supporting another SU athlete sport. Athlete, athlete, uh, another SU sport. So you know, you get you get dual brownie points, and it's just cool to see you know a, a guys that you consider more and more notable. You know, in to really support you know the soccer team.
1: Yeah, and you see that across other sports as well, and I think that's a good point. Um, that, you know, you see Syracuse basketball players at the football games. You see, you know, Syracuse men's basketball and football players at the women's basketball game. You'll see them at the hockey games. Yes, you'll see them at the hockey games. You'll see them come to the lacrosse games, especially, you know, some of the bigger games that that they'll be playing. They always have – Uh, men's and women's lacrosse always have you know daunting schedules but um it's that's it's a cool thing to see i'm sure it happens all across the country but obviously you know we're here at syracuse and this is this is what we see um so it's it's cool to see that support uh, within the athletics community uh in general before we transition over to basketball and get to that exciting finish that that syracuse was able to pull off a win uh with Syracuse soccer, just two wins away from a title, they've got the highest scoring team in the country coming up in uh, the game before the title game, the semifinal game. Um and highest scoring team in, in men's, NCAA men's soccer. And then if, if Syracuse wins that game, they've got the winner of Pittsburgh and Indiana on the other side of the bracket. Interestingly, even though Pittsburgh is a conference opponent, Syracuse has not played them this year. So wh- what do you – what are your uh, thoughts on Syracuse chances to not only beat Creighton, but to win the whole thing and get their first ever national title in men's soccer?
2: All right. So if you're someone who's listening to this, that hasn't watched any of the games in this tournament yet, watch the Syracuse and Creighton game, because there is going to be goals. There, Coach McIntyre promised it today, swore. So both sides play a back three. And what that means is there's going to be a lot of counterattacking opportunities, which means should mean a lot of goals I think both sides are going to try and prevent it from being a track race on who can run up and down the field more um but this is going to be one of those games where i know syracuse has played a lot of close low scoring games a lot this tournament even in the acc tournament but this is gonna be one of those games where you could see the winner of this game scoring maybe four goals it's just kind of the nature of Creighton. i mean both sides have kind of taken the taint, same number of shots this season same number of shots on goal but Creighton's put 63 goal uh Scored 63 goals this season, as opposed to Syracuse's 43, and the leading goal scorer in the entire country, Duncan McGuire, has 22, and he's been—I think he has five more than second best. Think second best is 17. Um, So he's he's been a stud, and he's going to be a tough. Great in itself is going to be a tough team to match up with, and I know they have a similar philosophy of they'd rather go out and lose trying to win than trying not to lose. I know they're going to play on their front foot. They're going to try and score goals themselves um i do think syracuse should win and will win but it is going to be in my opinion their toughest game in the tournament as it should be in the final four um on the flip side you're seeing pittsburgh and indiana indiana is probably the most storied second uh, most titles i think of any um, program in the country um as far as college soccer is concerned but pittsburgh this season has been a little better for me they've been one of those teams that just Never secured the results that they should have secured. They had like five draws during the regular season against teams that I think they should have beaten. Um, lost a couple of games during the regular season that they really shouldn't have to UVA, for example. Um, that I just thought they were better better than UVA, and, and their last them lasting longer than the NCAA tournament I think is proof of that. Um, and I actually think if you, they had beaten UVA in the ACC tournament, they would have faced Syracuse, so we would have already had that matchup had they kind of delivered on that game originally. Um, But I I like Pittsburgh in this game. I think both sides have a lot of potential, a lot of promise, a lot of talent. But I think Pittsburgh's a little better on that side and and, um, would expect a little ACC battle in the title game. And I think Syracuse should win. They are the lowest remaining seed. They are the three seed. There is no other team ranked lower than 13 or seeded lower than 13 in this tournament. You're looking solely at numbers. This is Syracuse's tournament to lose. You're looking at current form. Creighton's really scary having already beaten Duke and um, Washington, two teams that had undefeated records for the majority of the season. And Pittsburgh's really scary having beaten Kentucky, who was the number one overall seed, and Portland. They put up 32 shots in that game against Portland. They were horrifying on offense. If they had just a tiny bit more quality in that final third, that could have been a massacre of a game and would not have seen overtime considering. Um, But I I do think Syracuse and Pitt will face off in the final, and I think Syracuse will win.
1: So guaranteed national championship is what I just heard from Sammy there. Um, I'm not going to stamp it, but the stamp's been <laughs> damped in the ink. It's been, it's, it's hovering, waiting to be. To Look at
0: Sammy way. feeding it to your energy. Oh my goodness. That, that would you, certainly you be, that would
1: certainly be exciting. You know, I, and uh, a national a championship of, of any kind, I think would be, you know, good for the athletics uh, this, department. This team has given old. nothing but a reason to
2: believe in them all. She's, they've. It's very true. They have come, come up by, with, with
1: a lot of clutch goals and made just you know some exciting finishes, keep their season alive, keep ACC tournament alive. It, they' uh, it, it's certainly understandable if you feel like they're a team of destiny. It, it's certainly understandable given what you've seen so far. So that said, there's another team that pulled off a late game win in um, exciting fashion and that would be Syracuse <laughs> men's basketball just days. After getting blown out by 30 on the road to Illinois, they travel to South Bend and pull off a 62-61 to win over the Irish, who were just off of an 18-point win over number 20 Michigan State. And if Notre Dame had beaten Syracuse, they would have jumped into the polls instead. Syracuse says, not so fast, my friend. And the Orange gets a win, gets back to 500. I think this is a massive win. I don't know that it's going to change anything in terms of NCAA tournament resume. They still have a ton to do to overcome the losses that they've had so far. They're going to have to go on a huge winning streak. They're going to have to beat a couple of the big guns in the ACC in order to, to get themselves back into that conversation. I'm not sure that I'd expect that to happen. But if you're looking for this season to not be a repeat of last year where you, you're worrying all season if they're going to finish above 500 and you want to start seeing them play good competitive basketball like you're used to seeing Syracuse teams do even when they're down, I think this was a huge step forward because you you lose again four losses in a row. You're at three and five. Your next five, six opponents are kind of meh opponents, you know, not very good non-conference teams, even though Georgetown's mixed in there. There's always excitement about that game and then your first couple of conference games are are Pittsburgh and Boston College those are teams that you should beat uh, pretty easily so you know it i i think it's big i think it's big for the team i think it's big for the young guys to learn how to win for a true freshman to be the guy that makes the game winning shot for them to continue to play better to play better defense against a really good offensive team that can shoot lights out you know, th- there's certainly things they need to work on. Rebounding wasn't great. Notre Dame's not a great rebounding team. They don't have a ton of size, and Syracuse was still out-rebounded. Their forwards are giving them nothing on the boards. But they're showing signs, I think, of of a team that, you know, in four to six weeks could be a lot better than the version you're seeing right now.
2: Honestly, I want to hear Josh first, because I know he was a little pessimistic about the uh, the prospects of this team last week. So I want to I hear what Josh has to say before I chime in.
0: I mean, no, no, Big Mike said the best. This is definitely, uh, you know, it's only eight games into the season, but the biggest win and a massive win for, you know, SU basketball. And, um, you know, Bayheim coach like it. You know, just looking at the stat sheet. um, JT, Justin Taylor got 30 minutes. John Bola got 18. JG, 38, minutes at 38. Uh, Jesse got all 40, which is good for a big guy, especially if stay out of foul trouble. Love that. Benny got 22, and Chris Bell got 10. And I think that he'll follow the rotation pretty soon because he's a great shooter that can't shoot. And those guys don't typically stay on the floor. So, you know, tightening the rotation up, side got four minutes, but that doesn't really count. So he seemed to have established his six or seven guys that he's really willing to go to war with. Those are definitely in the How perfect How about John group.
1: Bola Jock in that group, by the way? No,
0: literally. Led He's the game hard. in
1: assists as a 6'9 forward. Didn't yeah. get a single rebound, but led the game. I mean, listen, he can do some things out. He's not going to give you much offensively. Again, rebounding is meh, but... He, he could do some things. He sets great screens. He's extremely active on defense. And as we saw, can really pass the rock. So he he does some good things and he's, he's earned his minutes. He, I know people in the past when he's gone out there and played 10 to 15 minutes have kind of said, what is the point of him being out there? He more than proved his value against Notre Dame. I thought.
0: No, that's yeah. a fake. And it's like, you, you look at a lot of guys on this roster and you, and like, you had a, 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 a he had a lot of guys in your freshman recruiting class, but you don't have a lot of talent on this roster, frankly. So any contributions you can get from anywhere are greatly appreciated. Um, you got to shoot better than 16% from three. Joe Gerard yep. is definitely not out of his shooting slump per se, but he made some big shots, got 20 points on the board. Always good as a hooper to see that. Um, Judah Mits continues to establish that he's the best player, but the biggest thing, which is definitely a dual-edged sword because of how the Netherlands beat us so bad in football, <laughs> Jesse Edwards definitely looked like a big guy. A big man for the he's first time I've seen them for sure. You
1: he know. was a stud in that game. Come on, they, down. they had no answer.
2: They had no. Is there
0: no them? personal foul that I see? This true? No, man?
2: none. I, not a single one.
0: That's crazy. Um, I don't see any blocks. But honestly, he's already six eleven in in uh, in the ACC. He's going to protect the rim enough. So you know, great. And job Notre Dame that.
1: doesn't go it. They they are on the perimeter ninety percent of the time. So yeah. it's not a huge surprise that he doesn't oh. have a lot of blocks in this game.
0: But even his side, like again, I mean. You know, with – you're looking at a, a team like the Nets right now. Just having a legitimate big guy is a deterrent for offenses to run stuff yes. to the paint and to be more primi- per- perimeter-oriented. So when you have a guy like Jesse, that changes up a lot of defensive schemes that, you know, offenses can run against them. So, you know, it's encouraging to see him, you know, be out there and being an impactful for an entire 40 minutes when especially me and you and have talked about, you know – and Benny's still doing it, but Jesse's—you know—not love, but uh, uh, inability to stay locked in for forty minutes. So see him stay locked in for forty minutes, you know be the best player on the court, and you know really lead this team to victory as a senior is—you know—kind of what we've been asking for. You're your older veteran guys to play like older veteran guys. So it was great to see that. You um, know, and the biggest game, the biggest test so far for, um, for for SU. So you know, there's still a lot of kinks. This again, an imperfect no team. question. I love Judah, not don't love Judah's shots. I don't know what you're going to do with Chris Bill at this point. He doesn't need to be in rotation. Again, shooters that can't shoot. But you've already – he's an asset that you needed. that's worth, you know, getting him over the hump. So, but, you know, if this team wants to win, he can't be on the floor. Um, Much is not different from Benny wills from last year. He's just getting more minutes. So, you know, there's still some major things that need to be ironed out. But for right now, as pessimistic as I am, Sammy, I'm enjoying the double.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's the, the nice thing is even if you are pessimistic is, like, be happy when your team wins. Like I mean and and here's the thing, you know, you said well Joe Jorrd is not of a shooting slump. From from three point range he's not. I, I I was he 2 for 10 or 2 for 8 or whatever yeah, he was from three. 10. Um yeah, I mean that's that's not great. But he was 9 for 18, made some difficult shots including some important ones in that second half and he looked more like the confident Joe Girard that sometimes going to take those shots that are eight steps behind the 3.9. And you're like, what the heck are you doing? And I get the frustration with when he does that sometimes, but that's who Joe Girard is. He has to play that way. He has to play that no matter where he is on the court, he's going to make that shot. That's what makes him a good offensive player and someone who can drop 30 on you at, at times. Uh, Syracuse needs him to be that offensively. The other part of it is, he had two steals that he turned into wide open transition layups in this game. He was better defensively than I've seen him in a long time. He was active. uh, He was closing out on shooters. He's never going to be an elite defender. You're not expecting him to be that, but if he is what he was against Notre Dame as a defender, that's a a guy that Syracuse can leave out on the floor. He can impact the game and Syracuse can win with Uh, the other positive things I saw. Uh, Justin Taylor continues to play well coming off the bench made a couple of of big shots rebounds the ball well uh, whether you put him at the two or the three. Um, John Bolojok as I said made some good plays but you know they they need more from uh, from Samir Torrance uh, there's no question about that they need more from him when he does come on the floor. Uh, Judah's got to be better with a shot selection as you said that that's been an issue at times. Um and they need their forwards to rebound. I mean, Chris Bell and John Bolajac combined for and Benny uh, Benny Williams, the three of them combined for two rebounds. I mean, that's that can't happen. All especially bells. especially, yeah, they were both of them were were bells. Uh, which is shocking because I think it was the first game he had more than one um, so far this season. But uh, and Benny Williams is the most surprising because he has proven that when he wants to in his and his head is right He can attack the glass and be a a factor on the board. So the fact that he's not getting any, I think it's a mental thing is more than it is a skill thing. But yeah, I I I think think there were a lot of. That
0: line for this game two points, zero turnover, zero blocks, zero steals, one assist, zero rebounds. Cardio.
1: Not great. 22 minutes. Cardio.
0: In 22 minutes. That's the cardio part. A lot of running. So yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's he's still up and down. He's still searching for consistency. There's no question. But overall, I take this game as a positive, um, you know, because you beat a good team on the road. Um, You beat a team that was a really good three point shooting team. And it's defensively where I'm I continue to be encouraged about what this team can be, because it's the second straight time that you've held a good offensive team well below their season average in points below their normal shooting percentage below their normal three point shooting percentage and you know, the, the reputation with the zone is you can't play it nowadays because teams have too many shooters. Well, that's what Notre Dame is. They're a team full of shooters and Syracuse played good defense against. So they didn't, they gave them a bunch of sh- open shots early. They made adjustments. Notre Dame started six for nine from three, and they finished five for their last 24. That's how the zone is supposed to work. And I think they've got the athletes to be able to cover um and, and, prevent a lot of those open looks that we've seen in the last couple of years, the biggest key for them to really take it to the next level and be a team that can be not only great defensively, but be an elite defensive team that could win games against better teams, even without being great offensively is they have to limit those good defense possessions so that the opposing offense is only getting one shot. You can't keep giving up offensive rebounds. That means Jesse Edwards needs more help. He can't be getting 16, 17 rebounds in a game and you lose the rebounding battle by seven. That I mean, that if he dominates the boards like that, you should win the rebounding battle. Yeah, usually half the pretty fourteen
0: good. of the thirty. He had half the rebounds. Yes,
1: the he did. Oh. It's he. So he needs more help, as we said, and it's got to come from the forwards. Um, go ahead, Sammy. I
2: was going to say you have to give this team credit too for turning a almost thirty point loss against Illinois next game, getting a win in the ACC. Um, that's something that can't be understated. Like whether it's, they don't have the quality that you'd want them to have this year. That's another thing. But the fact that they have the resilience, the mindset, the coach Bayheim can at least rally them together, keep them organized, keep them focused to turn them around. in what was an embarrassing loss to Illinois and dial them in. And then I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit. I know you kind of did a little bit with JG (laughs) three, but just as when you talk down on him, when he struggles, you have to give him the praise when he does his thing. Yes, and again 2 for 10 from 3, sure. You can improve on that, but that's better than 0 for 3 from the field not taking chances. They didn't bring him in here to not He was 2 the ball. for his
1: last 25 and he went 9 for 18 in this game.
2: Yeah. And he took only 3 shots against a top 16, number 16 in the country in Illinois. That's not what you need from him. Nope. Yes, he was you you said it last week. They need him to be the two or the three scorer. He was the number two scorer, he provided 20 points. That's exactly what they need from him. That's all they need from him. Even if he goes through for 10 from three, he only missed one other shot that wasn't a three-point attempt. He took 18 total shots. He did his job, and he was aggressive, and that's what we talked about. He was brought in to be a shooter, to be aggressive, to take those chances, and sometimes he's going to hit them, sometimes he's not. And I'd rather them lose a game by 20 points, 30 points against Illinois where he shoots those 20 shots and takes those chances than when he hides in the corner and only takes three shots. You know, I'd rather the effort that you saw from them – I saw from him in that game and go and get those twenty points. I mean, again, it, maybe he doesn't turn out with those twenty points every time, but I'd rather see that effort and that philosophy and that mentality that he brought to that game against Notre Dame than any of the past games you have seen recently.
1: Yeah, and and the I'll have two uh, comments to to your to your points. The first is he also had zero turnovers in this game, and I and he had the ball in his hands quite a bit. And I know there's a uh, there's a stigma on him that he is very turnover pro. And when he has a game where he turns it over three times, you hear everybody about Joe Girard should never have the ball in his hands. He's a D three player and he's going through a shooting slump and all that. Mm-hmm. Then he has a game where he scores 20 points, his second leading scorer. He makes good plays on both ends of the floor. And without his contributions, you don't win a game on the road against a good team. And the same people are quiet. So I'm, I'm going to say this, everyone that that follows me knows me other than someone that perhaps is brand new to this. And you're just finding out who I am for the first time but Knows I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Every year when the Philadelphia Eagles trot out their, their team and they're too deep and the guys that play whatever, they have players on the team that I don't like. And I think that guy's terrible. Why is he starting for my team? Every year that that I've watched the Philadelphia Eagles, they've had at least one player in their starting lineup that I didn't like, didn't understand why he's in the NFL. Okay. But guess what? That player makes an interception, scores a touchdown, whatever. I'm happy that he made a play and made me look stupid for thinking he's an idiot. OK, uh, that's that's the thing. When you're a fan, you're allowed to not like players and think that player is not very good. I don't understand why he continues to play. He drives me nuts. But when he makes good play, does good things, helps you win a game. You also should be able to acknowledge the fact that he did those things. And the problem with Joe Girard is there's it seems like there's an inability to do that part of it. And I'll give you a prime example. Um, I put in I always post an article after every football and basketball game, five takeaways from the game. And it's just things that I noticed that that um, were perhaps reasons why the game went the way that it did, or um, you know, trending things that could um, continue to play out for the rest of the season. Things that Syracuse needs to change in order to get better, things of that nature. One of the things that I said was that Joe Girard played one of the best games defensively that I've seen him play, definitely this year, but one of the better games I've seen him play at Syracuse. Because, as I said earlier, he was active. He got out on shooters and he made two terrific defensive plays where he created steals that led to wide open transition layups. In the game you win by one point, those four points are extremely important. So someone replied to me and said, if Joe Girard is making good defensive plays, it's only because the other team made mistakes. Well, that that's not you can't just say that. See, and that's the, the problem when I when I went on a rant in, in the last episode that said we can't have reasonable discussions about Joe Girard. Those types of comments are why, because if you actually watch the game in the first play, he was guarding somebody one on one. And when the guy tried to make a move to go past him, he read where the ball was, reached his hand and knocked the ball away, went up court for, for an easy layup. The second one. Notre Dame had passed the ball into their big in the high post. He comes over to help because the big isn't looking at him. And when the big tries to turn to then decide where he wants to distribute the ball, Gerard knocks the ball out of his hands, grabs it, and runs up court. Those are two good defensive plays. I don't care whether you think Joe Gerard's a great defender or not. Those are two good defensive plays. And Well, sure, every single game, just about everybody makes a defensive mistake at some point. And so you can point to an individual play that wasn't very good. But overall, in this game, his defense was good. It was far better than what most think he's capable of. And that was my only point. And to just dismiss any time he makes a good defensive play as it's only because the other team made a mistake. That means that you're not willing to honestly evaluate what he's doing. You've made up your mind, and no matter what happens, you will twist it to fit that narrative. And that's why, again, like I said last episode, we can't have reasonable discussions about Joe Girardi. And and that's exactly to your point, Sammy. So it is what it is. Um, Hopefully, for Syracuse's sake, Joe was out of his shooting slump. His three-point percentage will creep up in, in the next couple of games. Given the opponents that they're playing, not very good defensive teams, he certainly has a chance to do that. And uh, given what Syracuse has coming up, don't be surprised they rattle off four or five wins in a row. Um, they've, they've certainly got an opportunity to do so. All those games are at home. They're against teams that they should be better than. And, you know, if Syracuse continues to grow, continues to develop, then they'll have a chance to, uh, you know, perhaps start 3-0 and or 4-0 in ACC play before they go play at currently third-ranked, virginia which if syracuse is three and four or four and oh in acc play that could set up to be a pretty big game so we'll see how it all plays out that'll do it for episode 61 of the believe in syracuse podcast for sammy and josh i'm mike McAllister, and we'll see you next time